Well, as, as I was getting ready to come down here on Friday and the job I was working on, there was a man there that was, he was playing his music of choice rather loudly. And uh, it just whet my appetite to come down here and lift up my voice with you all and sing these old hymns of the faith that mean so much to us. Well, it's great to be here and what a privilege it is to be at camp meetings. I've enjoyed it so much thus far. And I, uh, we're trusting God tonight. We're not taking our text this week from current events or uh, any, anything besides what you find here in God's Word. But I've found that this, the truths that are given here are timeless. There's no, there's, they're good for every generation, regardless of when. So God's promises are true, and I, we're going to just trust Him tonight. I want to read you a little bit of Scripture tonight, and I'm going to begin in the... Um, reading some to you in the book of Ezekiel in a minute, but I was thinking in the service today, this morning rather, it, the thought kind of came to me, it seems like everything in the world, everything that you encounter in the world is, is completely gearing you and pulling you toward the natural. Everything is physical. There's nothing out there that's want to help you in your spirit that builds your spiritual life. Everything, whether it looks good or not, is in some way pulling you to this life and keeping you in this world. It's fleshly, it's natural, it's temporal. It's all around us all the time. There's very rare that you ever encounter anything that is spiritual, that builds you up. And so that's why we turn to the Word of God for refuge. But it occurred to me this morning, you know, maybe... I'm just not looking in the right places. <laughs> and I want to tell you, some of if you may feel like that God has not called your life, you don't feel any calling of God, and maybe I can point you in a little bit different direction than what you've been looking. Because the fact is that God is talking and trying to communicate with people all the time. And every morning that you wake up, it is, it is, there is a quiet miracle going on all around you. As one scripture says in Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Well... There, there's another passage, in, and it's also in Psalms. It says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and stars, which thy fingers have made, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And so as I... You, you can see that it looks like in this world everything is, is going against your spiritual life. But in fact, the very... The fact that the sun rose this morning, I just think about how, the, just looking around at how the earth spins on its axis and every 24 hours is making a, a full revolution. And, and it is not speeding up. That motion is continuous. It's not slowing down. It's not momentum carrying it. It is constant. So that you can forecast a sunrise and sunset of a certain location years in advance and be accurate to the minute. It's perfect. And as it's spinning, it's making a revolution around the sun. And it brings us the seasons that we enjoy. And you just it just happens. And you don't even pay any attention to it. And all the while, it is the Creator that is trying trying to display himself if he just imposed himself on you it would kill you it's too great and yet the carnal mind the natural mind is very ill-equipped to comprehend God and to see his great heart I I can't even comprehend his creation 
the vastness of space. I look yeah. out at the night sky and those stars yeah. and the moon. And, and as it's making its, rep, its circuit around the sun and that gravitational force affects the migration of fish and the migration of birds. It pulls the tides in and out. It happens all the time. And yet mortals go about life and get caught up, never paying attention. And that is, in fact, God calling. God is looking out. Well, if I can't comprehend God, if I can't even my mind can't stretch to the vastness of his creation how much less equipped are we to see his great heart that's right how can you see god's love god's it's far greater than that it's greater than his own creation so uh let me just read a few verses as i was saying from the book of ezekiel if you'd like to read along this is found in chapter 18 and i'm going to begin reading with verse 23 It says, and this is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. Have I any pleasure that the wicked should die? Saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Yet ye say the ways of the Lord are not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal, and your way are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he dieth in them. For his iniquity that he hath done shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed, and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet saith the house of Israel, The way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel! Are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgression, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? What a question. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. Saith the Lord God, wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. And I paused on that verse, and it staggers me. I have no pleasure... In the death of him that dieth. Another passage says that it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, uh, as I can, I think about that and consider the. It's like you would almost think in the natural realm that having rebelled against God and received a just God is just. He's righteous. And therefore, sin and rebellion and iniquity must be punished. 
God does, that is a part of God. He would not be righteous. He wouldn't be equal. He would not be just. Were that not the case? It has to be. But it breaks the heart of God. He has no pleasure in that. You think he enjoys executing judgment on the ungodly and disobedient? I mean, you think about the terror of the Lord that comes... And the, the vengeance he took on those nations of the Old Testament. But yet we find I have no pleasure no, right, in the right. death no, of him that died. I wanted to introduce you tonight and take just a few minutes to a certain man I've read about lately in the Word of God. And we find here in the book of Second Samuel. And I'm not going to read all of these texts. There's a number of chapters that covers a portion of his life. I want to talk to you a little bit about a man named Absalom. If you'll take your mind with me back to the reign of King David. And the kingdom of Israel is on the up and up at this time. And the kingdom is well established in David's hand. And when he took up the kingdom in Jerusalem, there were a number of sons that were born unto him there. And among them was a man named Absalom. And the Bible talks about several of the king's sons. So if, you'll, if you can kind of grasp this in your mind, this was a young man who was born as a prince. He was the son of the king. Now, the king had many sons. But of all the king's sons, there was one man that stood out above all of his sons. And there was something about this man that people gravitated to and he had a way about him it was a a special talent that just attracted the awe of everyone else and a certain occasion happened and he spent three years in exile away from the nation of Israel and during that time his heart became bitter and proud and because of all the gifts that he had His heart was puffed up. Now, set aside his heart for a minute and let's take a look at his life. The Bible says this. That in all Israel, when he came back to Jerusalem, eventually the king sent for him after and brought him back. And I'm not going to get into all the story. But... Let's just pick up where Absalom comes back into Jerusalem. Now, he and the king are somewhat at odds. The king is his father. It's his king, but it's his father. But in all Israel, there was none to be praised so much as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. This was a man, a young man, that was just a picture of masculinity. Well, except for his hair. But he, <laughs> when he walked, this was the guy that all the men, all the young men wanted to be Absalom's friend. And all the young women just swooned when Absalom walked by. He had a presence about him. And he had this long, dark hair. Skin was perfect, spotless. He was in the prime of life. Not only was he just physically imposing, 
There was an attraction. This was a beauty that was uncommon. It was an attraction. It made people turn heads. But he was also a man, an industrious man and a man of valor. He was a man of war, very capable and competent. He had it all. He had it all going for him. Besides that, he was the king's son. And all the wealth of the kingdom was his. And yet, there was something inside of him that was not satisfied with what he had. There was a condition of his heart that refused to respect authority. Because perhaps it had something to do with the way that people just fell down at him. I don't know the attract the attention that he got. But nevertheless, he didn't fear God and he didn't fear the king. No, he, didn't fear the king. he had no respect for his father, no love for any other man, little regard for anyone. He was living a selfish life. And I'm going to tell you, Absalom wasn't the only man that's ever been like that. He wasn't the last fella in that boat. Listen to Ed. So Absalom comes back to Jerusalem and beginning in, this is again 2 Samuel reading in chapter 15. It came to pass after this that Absalom prepared chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came into the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. But there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. And so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And this went on for a number of years. He he stayed outside of the king's throne, outside of the palace. And when people would come to the king... And there's this man, the king's son, the prince, and all, everyone just awed at him. And he treated everyone as if they were the most special, take them and kiss them. He had a gift. And you know what? It stole the hearts of the people. His motive was not that he loved the people. He didn't care for those people. He was putting on to the people, but it worked. Ultimately, he had a motive. These people were going to be his access, that he would bow to the king no longer. And with rebellion in his heart, he derived this plan. And it was a plan of conspiracy. He wasn't content to wait until the king passed away, that he might take heir to the throne. He felt he was worthy to be king now. I don't have to wait. I'm the man around here. I can be king now. David is a broken, lowly, humble servant of God. And so he devised this plan. And again, like I said, this is a number of years in the building. But he has purpose. He has, 
real motive, and he's driven. And he takes his time, and he's patient. And when he thinks that he has, he perceives that he has enough pull with the people, enough that's going to give him enough power, he makes his move. Listen. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from the city, even Gilo, where he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong. And for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Now this is no small thing. This is King David in the height of his reign. And he's saying, we've got to get out of here. He's going to bring evil on us. He has more men than we have. And he'll smite the city with the edge of the sword. This is off. This could be a complete bloodbath right here in my city. And so he understood what was at stake. And he climbed down off of the throne in the interest of the people. And left and left the throne and left the kingdom and went out and wept as he went and felt like that he deserved God. He said, if God will bring me again. It's all in God's hands, but if not, I'll just let him, let him do what seemeth him good. And had no motive. This was his son. He loved him. Sure, he, did. he didn't want to give him the kingdom because God had given it. God had not given him the kingdom. Right. But he didn't want any problem. He didn't want to fight Absalom. He loved him. And Absalom was determined. And when he got this man named Ahithophel in his camp, it was the thing that tipped the tide in his yep. favor. Yep. The counsel of Ahithophel was as if, as if a man inquired at the oracles of yep. God. So it was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. This was a counselor whose counsel was perfect, and every time it was right. And when Ahithophel went to Absalom's side, this spelled trouble for David. The, pro- <laughs> the thing is, God didn't go with Absalom. So the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And David, and the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. And all the servants passed on beside him and the Carathites and all the Pelathites and all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. So if you can picture this, it was a brook that ran beside the city of Jerusalem called the Brook Kidron. And the king and his men, and he had several hundred men that had been with him from the get-go. These were men that were from, before he was ever king, they were following him. And they had been with him all these years. They had fought his battles. They were loyal. They were faithful. And they were not taken up with Absalom's deceit. They weren't deceived by it. They were loyal to David. They knew he was the, king, the rightful king. But the masses of people didn't know the difference. And they just, here they go after Absalom. When Absalom comes in with thousands and thousands of people behind him armed for war, David has to go. And so here's the king of Israel with his, few, his small band of men going out over the brook, out through the night. And people are cursing him. And bringing a, and all the emotion that comes with this. This is his son. And God worked out a number of things. And David had one friend in the camp that feigned himself to be with Absalom. And he stayed in more like a spy. 
And he, can, he knew. Now listen, when Absalom comes in, he ascends to the throne, he takes the kingdom, he starts setting up shop with his boys. He's done with that old regime was out. And Absalom is taking his place. And he's got his crowd, and they set up in the kingdom. But listen, it was a very, very short period of time. Because as long as David lived, there would still be some controversy. There would still be the heart of the people could not be wholly united to him as long as David was alive. So when they get set up and they get settled in, it's time to go after David. And he has nothing but murder in his heart. Murderous intent. His intent was for the king. He didn't care about the men that were with him, but when the, he had to have the king dead. That was his mission. That was his purpose. This is his father. But because he wanted that so bad, nothing mattered. Right, right, and he right. starts serving himself. That's right. And Absalom takes the throne. And the indulgence that went on and all that happened in those few days was nothing but a gratification of his flesh, flesh yeah. and indulgence. David is out in the wilderness. He and his men, they've had no time to pack anything, nothing to prepare. They're faint, they're weary, and God raised up a man named Barzillai. I'm not going to get into the details and encumber you with this. I do recommend you read the text. But a man named Barzillai, who was of great substance, came to David's aid out in the wilderness and brought him beds and his men, food, and raiment. And they were taken care of. It kept them alive. Not only that, it strengthened them for the battle that was to come. David knows he's got to go to battle. They're coming after him. He and his men have been through this so many times. This was a different battle. This was his son. Let me turn and read a little further. Reading in chapter 18, So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men for the, ba- for the battle that was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David And Absalom rode upon a mule. Now remember, David's friend is the one who had convinced Absalom to go to battle in his own person. He played on Absalom's ego. Ahithophel told him to stay home. And this man convinced Absalom. He said, that sounds good. He was going out to battle in his person. Absalom rides upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak. And his head caught hold of the oak. Remember that hair? So proud. Listen. And he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. The mule kept going, and Absalom was hung by his hair in the boughs of this tree. And he's in the battle. Well, guess what? A young man saw this took, take place, and he comes and tells Joab. And Joab comes and finds Absalom. Now, remember, the king was begging to spare the life of this man. And cold-blooded Joab, he dealt gently with him with three darts, comes up and finds Absalom hanging. He's alive. 
and thrusts him right into the heart with three darts. Shed out his blood right to the ground. And there Absalom died. They took his body, they threw it into a pit, and piled stones, great heap of stones over it. And Absalom was gone and met his demise by the hair of his head. Well, David was back, in, back at the camp. He didn't go out to battle them. He wanted to go with them, but the men said, no, you're not going with us. You're not going this time. You're too valuable. They don't care for us. They're coming after you. And they left David. Well, there is David back in the camp, pacing back and forth. The battle's out there going on. He knows that's his son fighting his men. And really all the people involved were his people. It was a civil revolt. It was mutiny. And his heart is rent. It's breaking. And he, but, but all he can think about is Absalom. Absalom. And so they look and they see this man running. And they know this is a messenger. Finally, here comes some news. And the man comes with tidings. The watchman said to me, think, I'm sorry, let me read in 28. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, all is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my Lord the king. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said to him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. This is another messenger. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. And the king was much moved. And he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom. My son, my son Absalom. Would God I had died for thee? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And as I sit here and think about that. Amen. I can't see the heart of God. But I see in this story, God is trying to show us something and trying to give us a glimpse. You know, it's always easier to find someone else in the Bible, to see someone else than it is to see yourself. Absolutely right. I mean, you can read the Bible and yes. you just feel like, boy, I, I know someone needs to hear that. <laughs> I can think of That sounds just like somebody I know. And I've learned, God has shown me, the Word of God will never do you one bit of good if you read it that way. That's right. If you never see yourself, is there any way possible somebody here tonight may see yourself in this passage? Have you ever considered that? That this life, this span of time, this little island of time that we're standing on tonight between us and eternity is like, is about the length of Absalom's reign. 
It's just such a brief period that it's scarcely recorded in as if he didn't even officially reign. It was that brief. It was just pleasure of the flesh. It was gratification. It was standing. That is this life. And when you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. It's just. It's God's way. It has to be. But you see, this world doesn't show you anything beyond the end of your life. It's all from there back or from here forward. Beyond that, there's never any any attention given to any eternal vision at all. No attention is given to that. And so it keeps you down here and keeps your focus from here to there. And all the while, you don't realize that vastness of that space. God is speaking. God is calling. Look, there's more to life than what you're doing, than what you're seeing. And it is an act of rebellion because I believe in my heart, no doubt this has happened. I think of a house of Israel. They were a backsliding nation. It fits perfectly with someone who's had an experience with God at some point in their life. And tonight finds himself backslidden. The house of Israel. Just as sure as Absalom was hung by his hair. All the things. Now, I think there's some people here tonight, perhaps, that are like this man Absalom. Oh, I know no one's here of that national celebrity like he was. That's that physically imposing. This was the man in all the Word of God who is on top of the world in the eyes of the people. There's hardly been his equal since. But nevertheless, no doubt, a number of people have built a lifestyle that's the envy of a million carnal souls and have heaped to themselves treasures to the flesh and gratification of the flesh. And life becomes this tight circle that revolves around me. And it's what I want. And whether you're conscious of it or not, it is, an, it is a rebellion against God's authority. It's saying to the creator of all that you see, and even that and beyond, that you can do a better job with it than he can. You won't wait. There's no patience. God has given you the kingdom as a son of his, to be a son of God. But instead, you would rather be God yourself. And so, just as David was pushed out... Is a, there is a, it's, whether it's conscious or not, there's an act of conspiracy that moves Christ off of the throne of your heart right. and takes it for yourself. And I've just got to tell you that the end of the thing is like that. Of, in just a few days, we will all stand in eternity. Everyone in this building. We're going there. You're not going to miss that. And yet, people can't... Absalom just... He didn't think, he never, it never occurred on him that this might plan might not work. How do you think he felt when he was hang, felt hanging by his hair? And here comes Joab. Oh, he knew that man. Utterly helpless. I think perhaps when this people get in their mind for some reason... I don't know this for sure because I haven't experienced it, but in, in my mind I can see how the natural, the natural mind works. You may suppose that God feels somewhat vindicated after all these years of rebellion that you finally bowed the knee though it be too late. 
and you finally came to recognize Him as Lord, when you stand in judgment condemned, But you can't see his heart. If it was another man you were competing against, he would feel, when you fell, he would feel he would gloat and feel glorified. That's not God. God is not that way. There's no vindication. I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. He's not he doesn't take glory when you finally fall in casting people to hell. But it has to be done because God is right That's and right. God is just. That's right. So how can you find... Do you ever feel like perhaps... Well, maybe if in fact that is true, I, that all bow the knee and come before God and in that judgment, listen, listen, what God says, Oh, Absalom, my son... As, as you plunge into hell, that's the word, the cry, the heart-rending of the Father. I died for thee, right. Absalom, my son, my son. He did die. It was his, play, it was his blood. David would have done it. God did it and offered his son for that sacrifice. Jesus did. And if I could just digress and tell you a word of personal t- As I read that scripture and I begin to see it. I can't comprehend the length and breadth of this space and this right. universe and the, micro, the miracle of the human body and the, micro, the microscopic world. There's so much that no, God has no. created. I can't see. No, I can't no, understand. No, no, no. But through the Word of God and as the brothers spoke Amen. of faith this morning, Amen. I can see something of His yes. great heart. Amen. His yeah. love for me. Yes. And we sang in our meeting recently, it's, like I said, it's got to be personal. It's got to speak to you. It spoke personally to me. I was sinking deep yeah. in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. I've sang that song all my life. I grew up right here. You know that. Went to church all my life. Ran around this campground like these little kids are doing now. Very deeply stained within. Sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the water, Brother Thomas. Lifted me. Safe am I. That was my experience. And so I've got, I think that you're not getting this message out in the world. You're not hearing that there's something more. There's something eternal. And if I could turn to one more passage of Scripture and read you this text. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heaven as a curtain, that spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom will you liken me? Or shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One, lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who hath created these things, and bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he that is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? Have anybody ever said that? Has the devil ever put that thought in your mind? My way is hid from the Lord. 
and judgment is passed over my God. Hast thou not known? I know you all heard this. You all been to church. You're no strangers to the gospel of Christ. Every one of you probably. But sometimes I wonder, have you not known? Right. Are you listening? Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Your mind can't comprehend it. Mine can't comprehend it. But I can experience him. I'm not very mechanically inclined. But I can get in my car and it can get me down here to the campground just as good as it could some mechanic that knows all the ins and outs. I just turn the switch. A thousand things have to happen right on time. I don't have to understand it, but I can experience that. And you can experience God whether you understand or see it or not. You can experience Him. That's right. And then as you do, and you see that right. Him sitting on the throne, yeah. and all, all things start to fall Amen. into place, and the kingdom becomes restored, and you can have fellowship with the king, and reign as a king on the earth, and be a son of God. But sometimes, that's the work, the devil is a master of deceit. No, I can do a better job than that. No thanks. Listen, he giveth power to the faint. Think about David out there and all his men. Weary, faint, night, cold. And to them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And this is a promise that God has given us. And it is yours. I know it's mine. I've embraced it. I have thine, O Lord. I've heard thy voice. It told thy love to me. But have you not known and have you not heard? He is God. And he alone is God. And if you feel like, if you could find yourself in this place... Maybe you didn't intentionally do it so much as Absalom, but somewhere you conspired against him in your heart and you pushed him out. And now God is in distant regions and he's weeping and weeping and groaning. And when should there be no repentance and the very thing like Absalom's hair that was the, that brought you all the praise and the applause of men will be the thing that snares you. And that is the thing that will bring self. condemnation. Self. It is the God of self. Amen. And I think that that God is served more than any other. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's but I'm serving the Lord tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Joshua said, I set before thee this day, life and good, death and evil. Right. Choose, Choose you this day yeah. whom you will serve. Right. Right. Is it going to be you? That's right. Yeah. Or will it be God? Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to ask the congregation to stand. If you've seen yourself in the Word of God tonight, I don't know that. God has to work with your heart. I can't say enough words. I can't make you... God, if God works, and it don't really matter. I, I can stumble and stammer. 
But if God has dealt with your heart, if you've seen yourself somewhere in all this Word of God, have you thought about, have you stopped and considered, do you really wonder? Do you wonder? you ever look out at the night sky and wonder? Not if you're Absalom, you don't. No, you got more important things to think about, to occupy your mind. But God is calling you. I promise you, tonight, God is reaching out to you. Just as sure as the sun came up this morning, God is making a personal plea. And He's laying His love out there. I died for thee, Absalom. Amen. So will you slip out and beg God for mercy? Amen. That all of these things don't come upon you. Let the congregation stand.